So um, today's title message is called, Where Does Your Values Come From? Where do your values come from? The reason I hesitate is because I changed it this morning and I can't even remember what I said. But trust me, I do remember the next part, okay? And uh, where do your values come from? It's a great question. Where do your values come from? Where do you get your values from? And so we're gonna take some time because if we wanna enjoy the freedom that Christ has made available for us, we've got to also understand that to enjoy that freedom, to stay in that freedom is also an awareness to the values of that freedom. What comes with the freedom is a set of values or at least an awareness of godly values. So I really felt like today, let's put some time and effort into this whole idea of values. Where'd you get your values from? You can't just download them. You can't just get them from social media. You've got to be able to realise that all of us are shaped by values. All of us actually conduct our lives and operate and make decisions from these values. Your value is not really on display so much. However, if you look close enough, if you listen to anyone or hang around anyone, our values are always communicating. And I really feel like it's about something that we can pay attention to because you can make decisions about your values. You can make choices about your values. You can actually change your values. You can actually reinforce the values that you realise are gonna take you to your future. So I was reading something just recently. Um, most people would know about the United Nations. Uh, peacekeeping, peacemakers, um, something that obviously was created out of uh, historically, obviously, war, tragedy and uh, disunity and all of the things connected to that. And yet we still find ourselves in the 21st century where there's still so much chaos. And we feel like we're going into, I've been calling it a decade of disruption, where it just feels like, what the heck's going on? And when are we going to get through this or get on the other side? And so the United Nations obviously have a mission, they have a purpose, they have values. And I read this uh, recently. It says the United Nations office in New York work in collaboration with its local networks in order to create a shared set of values and behaviours which would serve as a guide to every staff member working to achieve their mission. Based on the three core values of the United Nations, integrity, professionalism and respect for diversity, an additional nine values and behaviours were added upon uh, added. Uh, upon to serve as a guiding spirit for their work. They believe by truly embracing and living these values, they will be able to achieve their ambitious goals. So here's the United Nations. They've realised they've got goals, they've got ambitious goals. Uh, they want to bring uh, peace to troubled parts of the world. They want to facilitate, you know, being a peacemaker. But at the end of the day, they have to work through a, a very, you know, people from all backgrounds, all different backgrounds in life. It's incredibly diverse. However, they need to agree on what values are gonna help us with the goals that we've all want to achieve. So what is it the behaviour uh, and what are the values that we are gonna agree on even though we're diverse, even though we're from all different backgrounds. And I thought that was interesting because it's exactly what we need to understand as a church. We're in Berlin today. Obviously, I'm not a Berliner. The guy who spoke is. He's an original Berliner. I'm not. I'm an import. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm an Auslander. I've been brought in. Well, I haven't been brought in. I actually imposed myself. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, we were sent from London to Berlin. But the point I'm making is, is building a church in Berlin is, is, is again, not so much about 
so much integration or even learning a language, even though these are all tangibles and realities, what it's about bringing the Spirit of Christ into a city like Berlin. And really it's about the generations that God wants to raise up for, again, future hope. So what we've got to understand is how do we as a church, how do we as a community of believers or people who are trying to find a way forward, how do we coexist? How do we go towards the future? Are we natural enemies or are we natural friends? Well, there's more in this room that divides us culturally than unites us. Different, thank God, um, palates when it comes to food. Not everyone likes curry. I said that for my wife because it's like every night's curry night. But we went through Kreuzberg the other night and I couldn't believe how long the line is for a sausage. Brockhurst or whatever it is, a currywurst or whatever it is. I could not believe that hundreds of people would wait hours for a sausage. And what I'm trying to say is that we can't just take for granted what God is doing. All of us have come from somewhere. All of us are going to the future. But if we're gonna coexist as a community of believers, what is it the values that we can share? What is it that's common purpose to all of us that we can unite around? And I really believe if we can take a moment to really ask this question, where do you get your values from? Because our values need to work for us, not against us. And so I think it's a conversation that's worth having. And I really feel like if organisations like the United Nations need to pay attention to it, how much more should the church understand God's purposes on earth outworked through godly values? Can anyone say amen to that? So a value is obviously a reference to what's important. When you say what's important to you, you're obviously giving an indication to that's possibly something of value to you. But this question is interesting. What's important to God? Have you ever asked it? And have you ever asked, if it's important to God, I'm gonna make it important to me? It's very quiet in this one o'clock service. Everyone okay? Do you wanna talk about values? Okay, let's talk about it. What's important to God, is it important to me? Am I willing to make what's important to God important to me? These are good questions because it helps you to make a decision and go, yeah, I want to make what's important to God important to me. I'm married to Joyce for 28 years now and I realised when I met Joyce, I'm very different from Joyce. In fact, after 28 years, I'm still very different from Joyce. However, how have two different people stayed looking in the same direction after 22, 28 years? And obviously, I've had to make important, what's important to Joyce important to me. And Joyce has had to make what's important to me. (laughs) Now that is a human level on a natural level for all of us at some level of understanding. If you're gonna have relationships, you're gonna have to have an agreement of values. You might not like the same things, but that isn't what builds a strong relationship. You can have very different uh, preferences but it's your convictions, it's your values, it's what you share. And me and Joyce, the reason we're still here together, going in the same direction, because we share the same values. Amen. But I must admit, I'm winning when it comes to coffee because now she's moving from tea to coffee. Well, that's actually tea and coffee, but at the moment it's, it's still progress though, it's still progress. But what I want you to see here is more importantly, how are you 
when it comes to values. Where are you getting your values from? And have you got godly values? It's a really good question. It's not meant to be confrontive, confrontational, but the truth is it's a genuine question that could help actually cause such momentum in your life moving forward. And not just you as an individual, who you actually do life with. People are affected around you by the values you have. If you don't have good values, the people around you are going to, there's consequences to that. But if you have godly values, the people around you are going to see the blessing of that. So there's the tone and there's the tension right now about that. But let me talk about purpose and values, because if there's a godly purpose over your life, I guarantee you're going to have to support that godly purpose with godly values. Amen. So where there's a sense of purpose, there's going to be a set of values. Purpose and values go together. A lack of purpose could mean a lack of values. Or let me say it this way, misused purpose could mean misused values. And to be honest, it doesn't take too long to look around and find that people misuse their purpose and that means they usually have misused values. And so God wants I think us to be aware of what does God, Godly values look like in our own life. So I wanna give you one verse um, I'm gonna read just because of the sake of time, there's other verses here, but I'm gonna give you the main verse that I've been using in the first service. And it's taken from Acts chapter 2, 41 to 47. It'll come up on the screen. The reason I'm using this one is because it's a well-known verse in our church. We've used this from the very first day we started church, uh, 15 years now, 14, 15 years. But this is a foundational verse for us. But this verse is important because you already get to see the values of the church in the first century. And if they're the values of the church in the first century, is it possible that we could have these values in the 21st century? Amen? So let's read it. And let's go from Acts chapter 2, 41 to 47. When those who accepted what Peter had preached, those who accepted what Peter had preached were baptised in... Come on, say it with me. They were baptised in water. Not sprinkled fully emerged. So they responded to the Gospel because that's what Peter was preaching. The good news, Christ crucified, Christ resurrected. And they responded to the good news. And through that response, they went on and there was a value for water baptism. And that's something we in the 21st century need to still understand. Water baptism is one of the things that we follow the Lord in obedience to Him. He was water baptised as an example for us to follow. And this is something we can and should and really help each other and support each other and celebrate. That's why Joyce is saying we can now build a water baptism pool out there. Amen. In other words, it's one of the game changers. It's where I really believe it is significant and I really believe it just helps us to identify with what Christ has already made available for us. Amen. It's a public declaration that I am serving Jesus. I have decided to follow Him. No turning back, no turning back. Amen. You should write a song about that. On that day, 3,000 people were added to the group of believers. The believers made room in their lives. This room making room in your life, the reference is devotion. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. It truly means making room. You don't make time, but the word devotion is like a mother to a child. It literally means making room. You don't make time for your children. You make room for your children. 
And it's the same with the things of God. The people of God made room for these things. They didn't just make time, they made room. So they made room in their lives, listening to the teachings of the Apostle. They shared everything with each other. They ate together. They loved eating together. Amen. What are you going to do after this service? Eat. Hopefully go somewhere, take someone out for lunch. In fact, let's do this right now. Turn to someone next to you and say, where are we going for lunch? And your reply back is, who's paying? Burgermeister's right over there. They ate together, they broke bread together. I love that there was a value of eating together and there was a value of breaking bread together. People coming into the service here, communion's always available every Sunday, but it's available every day because you can take communion and receive from the Lord all the time, as often as you can or as often as you want. So there was a value for communion, which is focused on Christ. Sorry, let me get my notes all sorted here. They're all over the place. They broke bread together, they prayed together. So again, the value of praying, not as an individual, but also collectively. Many wonders and miracle signs were happening through the apostles and everyone had great respect for God. So there was a strong sense of, we want to honour God and we know that it's important to keep receiving from Him. All the believers stayed together and shared what they had. So again, there was a value of being together, not just eating together, you know, where we live in a society today. I want the community, I don't want the church. You know, I want the sex, I just don't want the commitment. I want success, I just don't want to work hard. I want a, I want a job, but I only want to do the minimum. We, we live in a time where it's just so one-sided. And we've got to realize is that's not going to build strength into your life or anyone's life. And as values, as believers, the godly values that we can see on display here is that they actually valued the coming together. They actually valued the meeting together. They actually valued that they actually need this, not just want this, not just want it, I actually need this. And I think the post-pandemic season, a lot of us have experienced, we understand we cannot forget the assembling together of God's people. And so you can see there was a value of coming together and staying together. They shared what they had. Some sold their land and the things they owned and they shared their profits and gave to those in need. So there's a value of helping those who need something. And sometimes it's not just in-house, it's also out-house. It's like there's those who have needs and what can we do? This month, last two months, I don't know if we've got a good report anywhere, but we were supposed to share that today. The Turkey and Syria uh, appeal, um, I think over nearly 3,000 euros was generated through everyone in the community group. So thank you for that. Maybe we can have that. But I love that, again, there's such a desire, a value to make a difference. Okay, there it is. <laughs> so obvious now. Thank you for contributing. 2,600, so well done. Put it away now. <laughs> anyway, the point is, um, 
there was such a, a value on contributing and those who had were willing to give. And I love that, that there was a value there. And I actually love that there's a value here for that. Amen? Amen? So let's carry on. If you can put it on the screen there, that would be great. It gave to those in need. The believers shared a common purpose. And every day they spent much of their time worshiping together in the temple area. So again, a value of worshiping God, praising God. We're gonna make God bigger than the mess. We're gonna make God bigger than the mistakes. Amen. That's why we praise God. Singing is not worship. You can sing and change nothing. But this is about worshiping God, amen. And I really love that that's what was true for them. And it should be, I believe, true for us. They also ate together. These people love food. I think we're in the right place. They also ate together in their homes and they're glad to share their food and they ate with joyful hearts. The believers praised God and were respected by all the people. More and more people were being saved every day and the Lord was adding to their group. So here again, just as a small kind of reminder, really an important reminder though, this is the church that Jesus started. This is the church that's Spirit-led. This is the church that's on mission. And look, you can see their values everywhere. And I really believe for us on mission, moving into the future, doing what God's calling us to do in this city, getting established, reaching out to Eastern Europe, we've got to realise values are going to be a big part of who we are. So where are you getting your values from? Amen. I value the church because I see purpose for the church. If we just attend church and we feel like, when we feel like it, then it's no surprise that the church can lose its value because there's no sense of purpose. When you see purpose, you should see values. If you have purpose, you should have values. And they shouldn't be in conflict. They should be complementary. I see value in the Gospel because I see the purpose of the Gospel. If we lose sight of the power of the Gospel, then the value goes down and the purpose is lost. If you lose a sense of purpose for your own life, then it's possible that you're gonna lose a sense of godly values that's gonna build your life. I value you because I see purpose on your life. You value you because you see purpose on your life. When you see purpose for the church, you'll see the value of the church. When you see the purpose of the Gospel, you'll see the value of the Gospel. So I really believe that today, whatever you're doing to receive this, I really want you to understand as an individual, as a collective, values, 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 values. They need to be something we understand and something that we actually learn how to articulate. So let me give you one more picture, a question guy. I love to ask questions because it helps us to think and helps us to articulate and think through what we're actually believing and why we believe it. But these, this picture, if they can put it up, it's the seven defining times of your life. Seven defining times of your life. There you go, well done, thank you. Let's give the team a big hand. Thank you. All right, seven defining times in your life. Everyone's looking at the cute little picture of the baby. But the point I'm making is these are the seven age groups that we get to minister as a church. And I love that we have this. Uh, Jürgen and Crystal, if you weren't in the first service, these are the ones at the end there. They're moving to Austria, to Vienna. So me and Joyce are officially the older people in the church now. Oh, thanks for the response. Thanks for the response. Come on, come on, we can do better than that. But 
The point I'm making is, is that all of these age groups are really in our church right now. And we want to minister to every age group because every age group is precious. Every age group is important. Every age group needs the wisdom of the Lord. It's not, oh, well, I grew up in church and then I left the church and then I got broken and then I came back to the church. It's not yo-yo land. The goal is, is that you stay planted in the house of God, that you grow up in all these precious children in the, in the next room, be ministered to, helped and strengthened, amen. Pray that they grow up and they stay strong like pillars in the house of God in Jesus' Name. The enemy doesn't want you to be pillars in the house. He doesn't want you to be, he wants to be confused. He wants you to be wandering. He wants you to be lost. He wants you to be anywhere but front and center serving Jesus. And you've got to make a decision. No one's going to get me, only Jesus. You can do what you want. You can say what you want, but His voice matters. That's what you've got to decide. I'm not bumping around in the dark, stumbling around trying to get there. I know who I am. I know who I belong to. I am a child of God. Amen. You've got to define these things because if you don't, someone's going to tell you something else. And you've got to stir that in your heart because God's got His hand upon your life for something greater and something bolder, amen? So when we look at these precious age groups, look at the bottom section. You might be able to see it on this side. Every one of us start our life shaped by someone else's values. My children love curry because my wife loves curry and they were getting curry whether they like it or not. Now they love curry. I didn't grow up on curry. I grew up in Ireland. I grew up on potatoes. And I love leek and potato soup. In fact, I love broths and any kind of soup because that's what I grew up on. But what I'm trying to say, it's not just what food flavour you got exposed to. <laughs> it's also the values of what was going on in the home. Maybe you didn't grow up in a family that was together. Maybe it's just one parent. I don't know, but at the end of the day, you and I were shaped by someone's values. Maybe it was school. Maybe it was the culture. Maybe it was the environment. I don't know, but there's a whole lot of values going on around you that is shaping you. And that's what you've got to face up to. You had no say in it. You don't choose where you're born. <laughs> but this is something that happens to all of us. And that's why the house of God is such a game changer. Because if your start was wrong or your start was painful or broken or messy, or complicated, the good news is, like me, at the age of 23, I came into the house of God and the whole rest of my decades have been different because God does what only God can do. Amen. So precious age, eight to 12, it's not just biological changing, neurological change. It's not just my body changing. It's also a lot of things going on and surrounded by values at that time. That's where you need to know you're surrounded by care and love and support. It's not a, a, a traumatic time necessarily, but it is a time where your values, they really surround you and they can be a blessing to you. You get into this whatever you want to call it, teenage years, but 13 to 17 is a precious age. Amazing, this group and this age. Because, the, But the thing is, it can be a dark time. It can be a confusing time. But this is where the questioning of value starts to happen. And there's nothing wrong with it. And we should be okay with it. Because at the end of the day, this is what starts to happen. You've been loved and supported and cared for by values. Now you're moving into your future and you've got to start asking the questions. Are these the values that I want? You don't know what you want at that age, really, but you know, I don't want that. 
It's not so much mum and dad anymore, it's more friends and it's more what does my friends think? It can be a very interesting time and that's why the house of God and the community of faith can be a great support and blessing to this age group. And we need leaders who know how to lead in this age group and we need people who know how to support these age groups because maybe you paid a price at this age group and you don't want others to go through the same pain you went through. Why don't you step up and say, I'm here, I'm available. I wanna help these age group, amen. And then we got the most amazing age group, 18 to 25, young adults. And look at them, rejecting values. Now they're not what you think, all right? Because the truth is, it's exactly what needs to happen. You gotta get your own values. You gotta get a faith, a revelation of God yourself. You can't piggyback your mum and dad. You can't piggyback your, your relatives or your family or your heritage. You've gotta get a revelation of Jesus for yourself. No, you're not getting dad's money. Get your own money. Dad, no, no dad, get your own money. This is an age group where you've got to get something that's yours. And that means you should be supported and loved and in a way that you can wrestle with this. But what I need you to understand is it's not an act of rebellion necessarily. It's possibly a lot more to do with, I just finding my way forward and I just need to figure out what values I need. And it's a really interesting time because you can get it wrong, but you can also get it right. Amen. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying here because I feel like I'm working a bit hard here. <laughs> but what I need you to know is God's wisdom can keep you and protect you. And this is actually a healthy thing. And I really hope everyone understands that. That's the age where, where generally speaking, is where you've got to get something for yourself. You can't live on someone else's revelation. It's got to be yours. It's not, it, I know Jesus for me. I know His voice. I know how to go to the Word for myself. Things like that. Get into the age group, young adult or adults now. Um, yeah, you, you've probably passed your studies. You're probably continuing your studies. Maybe you've got your master's. Maybe you're getting your master's. Maybe you've got your degree. I don't know, but you're starting to work now. You, 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 but you, you're deciding on your values. And you've got to establish what values are going to help you. Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean you have to do it. Amen. If everyone's a gossip at work, does that mean you, well, everyone's doing it. I'm going to join. No, no, no. You've got to figure out. Now, if you start bringing godly values into a hostile world, yes, you're going to be mocked. Yes, you're going to be the one that stands out. But you've got to understand, do you want to give up on your values or do you want to pick up any value or you just want to be silent about your values. I'm not talking about shouting and being unpleasant. I'm talking about, do you know in your heart how to build strong values into your life? And this is where I think it's important because you're making decisions. Making a choice is about really now. Making decisions is about where you're going. Like today, shall I have pizza? Shall I have a burger? Shall I have, what shall I have? It's a choice. But making decisions is not just about today, it's about tomorrow. It's about the future. So decisions for values, they're not lightweight. They're something that you need to take seriously. Then you get into the age group that me and Joyce are in, and you know, you're strengthening your values. You know what your values are, and you know what values you don't want. So you strengthen the values that you've got, and you keep putting strength into them. And then you get to a beautiful place, I think, which is a one of the great rewards of life, and that is you get to pass on your values to the generations. Sadly, a lot of people get to this part of their life and this regrets, pain, brokenness. And maybe their story is, well, when I was your age, don't do what I did. And it's still valid, but the truth is 
I wanted you to see that this is something that God's doing with us as a church. But I want you to understand, values are not just some casual throwaway comment. Where are you getting your values from? Who are you getting your values from? And I really believe if we will take this to heart, it can really help us to really build strength for the days and the years and for the future that God's calling us to. Amen. So just as a close, as the team come up, just a support. First question I want to ask, maybe the first question you should ask, do my values honor Jesus? The values that I currently have, do they honor Jesus? Second question, do my values build the church? So if you don't see the value of the church, or if you don't see the purpose of the church, maybe you've got values that don't really build the church. That doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make anyone bad. It just means that maybe you've not worked this one out. Do my values build the church? It's a great question, but it allows you to say, hey, you know what? I'm not really sure on this one. Or I am very clear on this one. Number three, do my values relate to eternity? I really believe it's possible for God's people to have values that relate to eternity. Why do we do salvation every week? Why do we give an invitation for people to come to know Jesus? Because we have a value called salvation. It's the greatest gift that God has given humanity. He takes us from darkness to the light. He takes us as enemy to God. Now we're friends with God. I was lost and now I'm found. What a value, salvation. The value of what salvation can do. It's the number one problem in our world, spiritual poverty. People are disconnected from God. So ask yourself the question, do my values relate to eternity? Do I have the kind of values that actually can be reflected in an eternal perspective? Number four, do my decisions reflect my values? Do my decisions reflect my values? If you make a decision, when it comes to relationships, but if they're not in line with your values, you're gonna cause a whole lot of heartache. So why would I make a decision that goes against the values that I've got? Or maybe I've not strengthened values, so it's easier to make poor decisions. At the end of the day, it's just a question, but it can allow you to build strength if you wanna play with it, amen? So do my decisions reflect my values? Do my values produce fruit in my life? Have you got the kind of values that produce fruit, amen? Because if you've got bad values, maybe bad fruit. Good values, maybe good fruit. And this is something you've got to think about. But the thing is, thinking about it, doing something about it is only going to build strength, amen? Number six, do my values help serve others? Do my values help serve others? Is it all about me or am I in a good space where I know it's about helping others? And I just really believe that you've got to have a sense of values. Godly values will always find a way to help others. Amen. It's such a beautiful thing. And number seven, because I love sevens, do my values and my purpose align. Amen. Do my values and my purpose align. You have a God-given purpose for your life, but do the values of your life right now align with that God-given purpose? You can be out of alignment. 
I have a godly purpose, but my values are not helping. In fact, my values right now are taking me away from that godly purpose. They're working against me, not for me. And I really believe when you ask these questions, you're gonna find strength coming out of this. You're gonna find that sharpening coming out of this. You're gonna find the Holy Spirit working with you, in you, through you. And I'll tell you what it does. It doesn't just build a better you, it builds a better us. It doesn't just help the church, it moves the church forward. And I really believe that's the work of the Spirit as much as anything else. It's in the area of values. I think it's the only time I've ever spoken openly about values in our church. So today's the day. Because I believe getting our values in alignment with God's purpose for our church is gonna be crucial for us to move forward, amen. So it's just an open conversation in the sense of how are you with values? Where are you getting them from? Do you have the kind of values that's gonna move you to the future? Do we have common values that we can agree on and share like the United Nations? I believe the church should be the greatest example of agreement when it comes to godly values, amen. So let's believe God for that. Let's believe the questions. You can get a hold of them this week. We'll always make it available for you. But I really believe it will be a strength to you, be a challenge maybe to some of you, but I really believe it's gonna bring blessing and strength as we move forward. Do you believe that? Yeah.